Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Misha? I'm doing pretty well. Had a crazy morning. Tell me about your morning. Well, I have three kids at home. They're all out of school and camp this week. Nothing's going on. And usually I have help with them, but not this week. So it was a crazy morning. <laughs> I had a meeting at 11 and my four-year-old daughter just kept opening my office door and like peeking it. She was saying something really cute. I can't remember. Like I made your tea, you know, and she oh has like gosh. a little tea cup. So it was a little bit stressful. And then I shoved six dumplings in my face and then joined this call with you. It's so hard to kick them out when they're cute. Find it much easier when they're tantruming and you just like lock the door, bolt it shut. I need bolts. See, my office in the house has like barn doors sliding and the kids just love them anyway. You know, they just love to do the shining thing with the barn doors and stick their little faces in there. Anyway, that was my morning. What about yours? It was a big mail day over here. I got my new in-ears for tour, which is actually my first set of in-ears. So I'm super excited about that. Sometimes when we're traveling, my son wants to go to bed at eight o'clock. And then I miss the whole show and I'm like sitting on the bus sad and lonely and drinking wine by myself. So I thought I will get in-ears made and then I could hear the show even if I'm trapped on the bus. What? That's so smart. I'm bringing all three kids the next week and I fully expect to catch maybe one show. (laughs) You should do it. They're actually amazing too. Like I'm realizing that maybe I've never heard music properly before because I have little tiny ear canals and my ear pods are always falling out. I'm always side stage. So I know I don't hear it properly. They're amazing. I highly recommend them. So I got those today. So that's exciting. And you know, the bane of trying to pack for a tour where you're in, you know, San Francisco and you need pants and a sweater. And then the next day you're in a place where it's 110. I know. And keeping it to like one or two suitcases. So my husband doesn't leave me just like on the side of the road. Well, you're going for a long time. We're only going for a couple of weeks, but it is like Denver to Minnesota. And so there will be cool nights, but we're flying Frontier, so you can't bring anything. <laughs> and then, so Adam is probably going to bring us a suitcase, which is like a hassle for him because he's got so much gear and stuff and a guitar, but you can't bring anything on frontier and i got the three kids those little ducklings behind me so they're like let's weigh your shoes before you get on that will be (laughs) measure your purse to make sure it's smaller so i'm definitely (laughs) thinking about that i think they're gonna wear their hoodies on the plane you know obviously their sweatshirts and their their light coats just on everything at the airport like layered up like christmas story i love that look you know what though i saw on our instagram people had asked you know about some of the questions about packing for tour but what is really stressing me out right now is my house plants and I see yours behind you, and that has me has me worried. I'm gonna have to get house plant sitters. 
You could put a lot of them outside. No, they would just shrivel and die. <laughs> it's like a, it's like 105 today, and the sun is hot in Charlotte. Yeah, I, I'll put my cacti out for the summer. They really, they're happy there. But my indoor plants, they're really, really high maintenance. Plants don't like to move. They're rooted. They'll throw tantrums. Yeah. I have this fig tree downstairs. My babysitter and my husband both make fun of me because I go down every day and I <laughs> shake it because you're supposed to, you're supposed to mimic the wind so that it grows stronger on the stalk. And it actually shockingly has worked so well and so quickly. I'm going to do so that. So I have a bunch of new little offshoots and I'm so excited. So let's get into uh, the interview portion. People can like kind of see what, what to expect with our, with our upcoming guests. Yeah, we'll just kick it off. What do you say? Let me go ahead and introduce you. This is Chandra Eckert Sanchez, and she is the co-author of six graphic novel properties, including the ongoing New York Times best-selling science fiction story, The Amory Wars, created by her husband, Claudio Sanchez, which tells the album concept stories of the band Coheed and Cambria. She recently finished her first collection of poetry and the second installation of the upcoming Baxis novella series. She is also mom to eight-year-old Atlas, creative co-director at Evil Inc. Comics, half of the songwriting duo Shawnee and Clyde, and an obsessive home style enthusiast. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Shawnee. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now I'm going to introduce my guest. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Misha Lazara is a writer, poet, and mother of three kids, 13, 8, and 4 years old, and bandwife of 14 years. She has her bachelor's degree in literature and language, as well as her master's degree and master of fine arts in creative writing. Her debut novel, Man Made Constellations, comes out on August 9th with Blackstone Publishing. She currently lives in Charlotte, where she will be teaching fiction writing courses at UNC this fall. Go there. She also teaches community and public writing courses on MishaLazara.com. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we have each other. <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay, so what's something that listeners would be surprised to hear about your life? Surprised to hear about my life? Probably most listeners would be surprised to hear anything about my life. Unless, you know, there are a few out there on social media and I'm a pretty open book. I think surprised to hear is that I have five brothers and one sister. So I come from a huge family. I'm very close to my siblings. Um, I love them very much. They are huge. They like our huge support system for me. And I think that gives me a lot of, um, of momentum in my life. And so I really appreciate that. And so I wanted to have a lot of kids. <laughs> and then I had one kid and I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. And then I had two miscarriages too in between each child. And so we ended up with three and then we were definitely like, we are done. I was the fact that my mom had seven blows my mind because I find it to be a very beautiful uh, of course but also challenging um job i guess or role i have one and i don't know how anybody with more than one is functioning on any level at any not, time of the day not functioning <laughs> i told you like i'm a machine that's kind of moving and like kind of like wheels are falling off that's how i feel most of the time i also come from a big family my mom is one of uh 13 my father is one of four and you know we have tons of cousins I'm one of three I know that dynamic and it's it's nice to hear you say that you actually take a lot of energy from that I feel like it's a kind of a depleter for some people 
Yeah, I have my mom is seven siblings and I have 25 cousins. So, but I do, I do get a lot, I feel a lot of support, support from that. So, but I'm also truly, truly an extrovert, but I think you are. Yeah. You know, when, when I started, when I met Claudio and started bringing him to our like big Christmases and things like that, he's like, this is madness. Yeah. <laughs> but it, for me, it's just, it's always been, it's, you know, the more the merrier, the kids everywhere. So yeah, I, I feel the same way. So tell me, what's something that listeners would be surprised to hear about your life? That I actually had no professional aspirations to be a writer until I was well into my 20s. I wanted to be a forensic psychologist for the first half of college. And then I had moved. Well, my dream was to work for the FBI. And then I shifted to behavioral neuroscience. I found that super fascinating, degenerative diseases and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and this need for more research with the aging population that we have. And then I, you know, I left school and took a couple of different internships just for fun. And both of them happened to be in writing and realized I'm really enjoying this. This is something that I've been doing my whole life kind of for myself and journaling and things, but maybe I could do this professionally. So I have no formal education in writing. And so it's, I, I, bow down to you with all the education that you've, you know, put time and energy and investment into. And it's so hard once you're kind of in the grind of life, as you know. Yeah, I do. Well, I appreciate you saying that. But I also think my, most writers do not have a degree in writing. You know what I mean? Like, I think I saw a statistic that it was like 8% of books on the market are written by like someone with a degree in writing. <laughs> so I, I don't think most writers come to it necessarily from that. I think for more, more for me, it's like, I love school and I love teaching. And so that was always like those degrees. That's what I, I don't know, aspire to. But I think some people are just the natural storytellers and that's you. You feel very much like a natural teacher. You're teaching me right now. Well, you are like a natural badass, so all the things that you tell me that you've done, and I'm like, you have a psychology degree, right? And then you're like, and then I started this business, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Nothing has made me more uh, ready to tackle the human condition than psychology. What a good basis for writing, honestly. That's the whole, writing is character development, and I feel like that's such a great degree to use for that. Also, I try to use it on myself. <laughs> yeah. So looping into the things that you've accomplished. Yeah. Can we get some background on three things you're proud of? Past, present, future? Yeah, you start with this one. I like this. Okay. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. The thing that I am most proud of in the past is leaving home because of that big family, because of that big support system heading out on my own and being sort of the first grandchild to to go somewhere else and try new things was terrifying and it has really paved the way for me to be able to make risky decisions since i think every day that i'm faced with something that seems scary or intimidating i reference that moment and packing up my stuff and you know moving to new york to be with Claudio, who at the time we had known each other for a few years, but we are, we had no place to live. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a plan. Um, even, even our relationship was very much a risk, you know, and doing long distance. I think doing those things when you're young 
the stakes are so much less and you can you can take those big risks and you can do things that are scary because you have less far to fall so yeah so that's something i'm really proud of was sort of leaving the nest and finding my own way presence leading into that i think i'm most proud of the life that we're creating here for our son I'm I'm really, really proud of the environment that he sees on a daily basis. I'm proud that Claudio and I work so well together that we show him what partnership looks like, you know, that we don't fight dirty <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I mean, we spend so much time together physically, but also in calls, in creative talks, in meetings. We do so many things together creatively, and that's a hard relationship to have. I think it's harder than marriage in some ways where you're you're bringing something up from nothing uh, and tapping into these parts of yourselves that maybe you don't even know about. Um, and so you never know what you're going to dig into and what's going to come up, what might be triggering. And we always come out on top of that and and we'll defer to the other. And, uh, you know, we let each other win a lot when we need to. And I like that. I like that my son is seeing that, you know, you don't have to do things a certain way. You don't have to look at the way things have always been done and say, oh, well, I guess I'll grow up and I'll get a job and I'll do what I do and not really question that, right? I want him to think about who he is. I want him to think about the things he loves, the people he loves, and create a life for himself based around that, that's functional and kind and full of love and full of light and happiness and joy. And, you know, that's not to say that you don't have bad days and you don't struggle and you don't have these other things. But I think if you can look at the day and say, all right, well, I'm coming out on top. Even if we had some rough patches, uh, you're winning. And so I, I'm really grateful for everything that we have here. I'm grateful that my son is a part of it. I love him. And I'm happy I get to write words down and hang out with my best friend every day. Aww. And I think that that is really paving the way for the future things. Well, that was beautiful. The The present moment was very inspiring to me. I'm like, gosh, you need to come be our marriage therapist, I feel like. <laughs> no, that's good. No, it's good. It's like it is there are there are moments where you just like click and it goes so well and you're like, gosh, we are really figuring this shit out. Definitely relate to leaving home because I um grew up in rural Minnesota in a very, very small town. And my older brothers all joined the military to to get out, essentially. And my sister joined a cult, which is funny. I posted this on the internet the other day. Oh, my gosh. I, Can, I feel like this could be its own episode. It is. She's, this is my love language. <laughs> I love it. She's going to be like, Misha. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was like a internship that turned out to be like on the FBI watch list for like um Christian uh grooming you know just like weird religious stuff so if we didn't meet now and we were living these other bizarre lives of ourselves i might be in the fbi investigating <laughs> this cult and we might have met that way oh my gosh i hope not i didn't join it my sister did she was you know always a little more straight laced than i was for sure 
And so, yeah, so getting out of Minnesota was, um, you know, and, I, and now I look back and I'm like, I really love Minnesota and I would actually go back. But at the time, it felt like I really had to to go find a different path and kind of make my way. And so I'm but I always knew I wanted to. I, I always because my older brother, my older brother is 11 years older than me, the oldest. So I always had like this vision out. But another thing in the past is I went back to grad school to get my master's in English initially and i was just thinking okay i can teach literature at a community college but the first class i took was a writing workshop with aaron gwynn who's an excellent writer who's a mentor and friend of mine and he and that class was so wonderful and i learned so much about writing and i submitted my you know manuscript and i was like i think i have to do this i think i have to choose because uh, english was an option but creative writing was a separate um like classes and all that and so I told Adam, I'm like, I think I'm going to do creative writing. But the thing was, like, if I got my master's in English, I could teach that at a community college. And that is a much more prolific job than creative writing. And so I was scared and I almost didn't do it. And I was like, no, I just have to do this. And so I did. And, and I, I don't regret it. But at the time, I was very nervous. So that's something from the past that I was really I look back on and I'm like, I almost didn't do that. And I and I'm so glad that I did. For the present, um, I loved what you said about your marriage and your family. And I'm like, oh, mine's career related. <laughs> career related is basically everything else for me. So, Well, my book comes out in a few months and that was hard. I I was writing another a World War II manuscript that I want to that I love and I want to get back to. But during then the pandemic came and I was had only been in my writing program for nine months. And Adam and I moved back to Noda, this neighborhood that is funky neighborhood that we love in Charlotte but we were like living in a two bedroom with five of us. And so it was like kids, the World War II research and, and working on that manuscript, I was just like, I had to put that on pause. And so I went back to my first, the first man-made constellations, the first book I had been trying to write through my twenties. And I just sat outside here on this like concrete patio and wrote the book through like, re, you know, edited. I had it done, but it wasn't good. <laughs> so I edited and revised it and through the pandemic and rewrote it and and sent that out and got the agent and the, and the submission deal so so that was a lot but i was so i'm so happy with it and i'm, and I'm so excited for it to come out and for the world to to get to share it with me i cannot wait to read it it's funny because i remember adam on that tour where we met for 11 seconds he mentioned you were working on a book very inspirational for me to watch you pursue those things yeah, thanks. No, I feel like it was just the path. And I really do believe that once I look back, I'm like, oh, I knew I, I just like I had to decide to do that. But it felt it feels right. And I feel the same way about you, by the way, you are doing a lot. You are always doing a lot. And it's always really fun. It looks so fun. Everything you do. <laughs> it is fun. It's, it's 90, 80% fun. 80% fun. Yeah. 20% missed deadlines. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. See, I'm like a I can't even like hear missed deadlines without like feeling pit i'm so i have issues with perfectionism and with but it's not even like my it doesn't make my, anything better or you know what i mean but it like makes me more stressed to hear missed deadlines <laughs> yeah i am uh, fail all the time this i mean look this is a perfect example right i'm over deadline on many things right now and now i start a podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So much in starting this podcast, Chandra and I were, were thinking like, gosh, we have so many projects that we're juggling. And we had the artist render a drawing, an illustration of us juggling. <laughs> this House felt pertinent. And, yeah, this did. It did. It feels like it just 
similar to things, just the path just unfolding. I feel like this just unfolded on its own. Yeah, it was something that we didn't find to be stressful or limiting or a, a, a chore in any way. And I think that was the driving force and continues to be. So yeah, hopefully it serves a population of people who feel the same way and are looking for connection and stories yeah. about shame shopping. <laughs> so my future thing is you might, this is another, you might not know this about me <laughs> on my list. I have like a list of at least 10 lifetime goals. I'm a big goal setter. I like to, to set the goals and then I like to like interrogate the why, why do I have this goal? What, what is like, what is the working parts of the goal? I, I get into it. And so I have a long list of goals. Adam and I want to retire in New York City. So we'll be right down the street. Are you moving me. in? Is that what you're telling <laughs> <Yes>. me? <laughs> when Alice moves out, we're moving in, actually. Yeah, so that's my biggest goal. No, but then, yeah, with, like lots of things. I want to buy a sprinter van. That's one of my top 10 goals. Touring van. I've wanted an Airstream for... Oh, I, yeah. That's Adam's dream. I want to sure. get it and just gut it and do all of the renovation on my own. Well, I say I was going to say us do it, but Claudio is not contributing to that. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to or because he's not allowed to? Kind of both. Like I, I started stripping the staircase during the pandemic because our house we bought, um, we bought like two weeks before everything shut down. It's like a old limestone actually built by a husband and wife team. Uh, so I think that's oh, really cool. cool. That's called pre-war, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's, my, that's about what I know about architecture. AKA filled with lead and things that will kill you if oh, you touch any. Yeah, so yeah. that's been the challenge is, is redoing something where you can't sand, you can't utilize things that are heavy stripping because we have, you know, Atlas in the house. So it has been the slowest process but really dear to my heart. And, and during the pandemic, I would slowly, you know, do a, a foot at a time and listen to my podcasts and uh, Claudia would offer to help. <laughs> I prefer the solitude of a physical job and just laboring through. I love hearing about all the times that you and Claudio are opposite <laughs> of me and Adam. <laughs> this is one of those times. <laughs> Yeah, we laugh about it a lot because on a Saturday I'll have the saw upstairs and I'm like, I'm gonna redo the baseboard, and he's like, It's Saturday, can't we just go out and stroll around oh the neighborhood? God, that is the Adam. <laughs> you are Adam, and I, and I am Claudia. That's like, it. Damn it, man! When do you think I have time to do my hobbies? Uh, <laughs> like, can't you see him yeah. using power tools over here? Yeah, that sounds like it's for the best. Bandwives will be right back. Order Misha Lazera's debut novel, Man-Made Constellations, a modern-day love story that explores childhood trauma, the boundaries between idealism and self-righteousness, and the heartaches we must confront in order to chart our courses forward. With advanced praise from Booklist and Publishers Weekly, listeners can find Man-Made Constellations online where books are sold with the release date of August 9th, 2022. And now back to the show. Yeah. So tell us something you're excited about right now. The thing I'm most excited about as of right now is that we are finishing up the last issues of the Amory Wars series, which has been ongoing for years and years and years. 
Um, and it's the end of the series. So I'm in the, you know, final moments, which is really exciting, but it's, it's been challenging because you're making sure everything is as tight as it can be. And so it's, it's been really nostalgic. And again, this is a deadline I have missed. Part of it is because I'm like kind of secretly attached to the project. And when it's over, it's over and you're not going to see these characters again. So yeah, so that's really, that's going well and not well at the same time, but it feels good. I'm excited for it. What about you? Well, I'm really excited to tour with Taking Back Sunday. I just love, like, I, I really do love traveling and getting getting to see new places the kids have never been to Colorado before. So we're headed there first. So I think that'll be going to, I've never been to Red Rocks either. So fun. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that. I'm a little stressed because I find I got the deadline for my second novel, which is September 30th. So I do feel like we're going to be gone for two weeks and that at any time that I'm not writing is time not writing. And that's hard. To, I don't like to live that way. And I wish that I could just be like, okay, this is two weeks where I'm going to be doing something else with my life and be with my kids and traveling. But the deadline is looming. And it's not just looming. I really want to be writing. Yeah, I just want to be writing. But that will be really fun. And I'm doing this with you. And so I'm, I'm spending time on that. And I'm just really enjoying it. And I'm working on a project with my friend Alex, where we are teaching some classes together. And I'm interviewing authors on TikTok Live. He's teaching me about TikTok. <laughs> He's like, Misha, I'm posted in like five days. You got to post for the algorithm. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can do this. Atlas has the little friend up the street and she is so into TikTok. She comes over and she wants to, like, she tries to loop us into doing TikToks with her. And I just have never felt less rhythmic than trying to, to learn a TikTok dance with a 12-year-old. Adam Asuvi would tell you I have like, I like, I feel like I have like Norwegian clogging <laughs> rhythm. But maybe, if that. I am like the fig tree waving in the wind downstairs. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. When I was in ballet as a little girl, one thing I remember is being the tree. And like, wait, I have my sister and I both did it. My mom is like, I wasted so much money on dance class for you. <laughs> well, I know you're touring with Claudio this summer, but when he is gone and you're not on the road, What's the hardest thing about when your partner is gone on tour and what advice do you have for other band spouses out there? I find that I am really good at managing everything when he's gone. Travis, the guitar player's wife, Abigail, and I talk about this all the time, where we both sort of get into this hardcore, like, there is no option. You know that it is all on you. Like, if there is a dish in the sink... It is on me to clean it. I know the expectation is so clear cut because there's just me. So that part of life management is overwhelming at times, but I find that I'm I'm actually more responsible when he's gone. The biggest thing for me is the physical stuff, like the physical connection, keeping it a little filthy, uh, which, which, you know, <laughs> 20 years of long distance. Well, sending nudes is dangerous nowadays. People are hacking stuff. But the tools and... have gotten so much better. Like, what? What? How? I guess I need to. You can have a Zoom call. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, a big, I'm a big proponent of physical connection and making time for that. I think it's, uh, it's so easy to, like, put physical connection at the bottom of the list after a day when you're just exhausted and you know, people have been asking for stuff all day from you and you want to lay down and eat a snack and take a shower and 
for me has always been something that seals our relationship together. So it's really hard for me when he travels, but finding ways to kind of keep connected in that way is, is good. Yeah. TMI. No, <laughs> not at all. He actually wrote a song about phone sex. So it's definitely not TMI for, for our fan base. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> it's out it's, there. <laughs> it's out there. Um, what about you? I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite of what you said at first. <laughs> I heard you say that and I'm like, I hear other wives say that or spouses and I'm like, I don't, it's hard. Three kids for me is um, harder than I, I thought it would be. And I feel like that's a normal thing that people are like, oh, I didn't know having kids would be so time consuming. So um, I'm I'm not a very touchy person. And so it's easy for me to feel um, over, overstimulated by like, especially younger kids. And so when Adam's gone, I, I struggle a lot. I need a lot of help to work and have the kids at home. And I, because I, I do love to travel with the band and sometimes the traveling is like, I'll go for a few days or, um, and, and my mom will watch the kids, which is really helpful, but then I won't put them in camp that week. So then they'll be, yeah. the most of the week, you know, and so the scheduling can be tricky with, um, with him being gone and tra- like, we're leaving on a Saturday night to go on tour like at nine <laughs> so this is the worst mistake of my life where it's going to be like the kids are all sleeping and so i i don't find that it's easy for me to get in a groove when he's gone but i definitely related to what you said like it's all on you and so then you were like are like okay well the garbage is full I'll just take it out there's none of that like there are dishes in the sink or keaton needs to go to this club or this little like lesson then you know then you can kind of get that in your head where there's no like communication breakdown or there's no scheduling yes. even needed to be done because you're doing everything so i but for me, it's it's difficult, and I love to travel. I don't think I was made for like a a regular life. I don't know, whatever that means, a regular schedule. And so having to be doing that day to day is difficult for me anyway. And then when he's gone, I feel like I I can struggle with that. One of the tips, and the flip side of that, is the community that we have here, friends, and some of my. My sister, my mother, and then many girlfriends who have helped so much through the years just with support, with quality time, with, you know, helping me fill an evening, coming over even and spending the night. I have friends who will do that. That to me is the biggest thing. It's really, really important to accept help and to recognize it where you need it, to not feel like you're doing this on your own and you have to push through and you have to do everything and juggle everything on your own because to ask is some sort of failure. Um, it took me a long time to realize that. And I feel like I powered through a lot of situations when Atlas was small that I really didn't need to if I had just given up some control and some semblance of needing to do it to prove something. You have to find your village. Yeah, it can be hard. There are good resources, like even like getting a membership with a Y was something that I've always done because our Y here in Charlotte has two hours of free child, not free, but it's like part of the Y membership, which is not um, expensive, is part of that deal. So you can go and like drop all your kids off for two hours and they don't care what you That's do. That's amazing. You can cry if you want. <laughs> yeah. And so like that was always a good option. And then if you can find and afford someone to come for a little bit, or you can swap with another mom, which is something Camille Nolan and I did a lot was, was swapping childcare. And so, yeah, just finding those people and being willing to put yourself out there and build it. It's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. You need that time. Yep. I know some 
some moms who would be like, it would bedtime would be too stressful. And so I used to do this too. I would just kind of be like, let them stay up, let them sleep in my bed. And I've gotten to the point for sure where like last night I could tell Sylvie was sad. And I'm like, I took the time and put her to bed at like 7.45. And then I like to put Asa to bed right on his bedtime. No TV, no, nothing that will yeah. keep him up wandering the halls <laughs> or looking for me or anything. And I'm like, I need that time. So they, so even though it's like a sacrifice in that moment, you're like, oh, it might be easier and I don't want to have to argue with them. I'm just like, no. So there's things I, I think that you grow into or you just like things that you have to remind yourself you need. Yeah, it's not reflective of who you are as a parent. I, I would always think to myself, God, these moments are so fleeting and they're only little ones and it's going so fast and juggling your child's childhood disappearing in front of you with the human need to regenerate. And it's hard. It's hard to reconcile those two things. Yeah. Burnout is real. And then you're snapping or you're having a breakdown, you know, whatever it comes to. So I do feel like recognizing, like what you said, your health and your space and your needs are are just as valid. And because you're you, maybe even more valid. And to say that is sometimes so shunned, but it's uh, really counterintuitive to suggest that mothers should be selfless. Bandwise will be right back. It was the perfect heist, until it all fell apart. Now, a pair of young, benevolent outlaws must reunite on a doomed prison planet in a desperate attempt to rekindle their lost love and, unknown to them, unsure their unborn son's position as the father of a new universe. Vaxis One. Available this summer on tour and at evilink.com. And now, back to the show. So are you ready for this one? I can't wait. Okay. What do you know to be true about yourself, the world, and the universe? Okay. What am I, 39? I forget. Sometimes I'm like, am I 38 or 39? Uh, at this point in my life, I cannot envision a single scenario or event that would make me feel like I can't do this. The thing I know to be true about myself is that I am fucking relentless. I believe deeply in my ability to do what's got to get done, whatever that thing is. That makes me feel more comfortable to to try things. I got this. Oh, I loved what you said. I I relate to that. You know, I still have my moments. I feel like I have this affirmation. I trust my perceptions and my abilities, but I want to have the affirmation that I am fucking relentless. <laughs> Next one. What I know to be true about myself is that I was born to be a writer. Um, it is something that I've wanted to do since I was, since I knew what it was. And I, it really means a lot. Yes. Okay, what about the world? Uh, okay. I believe in the power of goodness in all of the garbage. I believe that being a part of this world, that being a human being that experiencing pain and loss and trauma is is worth it is part of what makes this journey so important yeah we i mean i i kind of already knew this about you but i was thinking when i asked him this question i thought oh i think that the, i believe that the world is holy and so that was kind of my but you said what all the things that I wanted. <laughs> you said 
all the good things. You say no, them better. I do say believe them. the world. I have <laughs> affirmations that I repeat, and I might sound like a crazy person to say that, but I one of my other affirmations is the world is a beautiful and holy place, and I'm grateful to be here. But I feel like we have to remind ourselves of that because it is barraged on us that it's not, and there is truly a lot of despair and and suffering. And so I, but I do, I, I like can look at nature and know that the world is a gift, even, you know, and, and that to be here is a gift, but we do create a lot of suffering. And just like last night, my kids, Keaton and Asa, <laughs> they're like creating this drama and the suffering. It's like over Minecraft. No, no, no. Dungeons and Dragons dice. So there's like dice and, and they're a big thing in Dungeons and Dragons. And Asa, like Keaton wasn't letting him play with it. So he gave it to Asa and Asa like threw it under the piano, which weighs like a bajillion pounds. <laughs> and then I'm like trying to fish out with a butter knife all the while this drama is playing out. And I think that Asa felt left out because Keaton wanted to play with the dice with him. And Keaton felt frustrated that, that I, whatever, that Asa disrespected his things. And I'm like, it was like such a moment of like metaphor for the whole human race. But whatever that means, I don't know. Just that we do cause suffering. <laughs> I think it's like that Brene Brown, and I'm not like I'm not an acolyte of her, but I think she's really great. But she talks about that foreboding joy. And so sometimes it's easier to be like, no, I'm really stressed. I'm not actually the world actually isn't amazing. My life isn't really beautiful because I have a lot of things to be stressed about. Because it can be scary to be like, wow, things are really good. When are they going to be bad again? <laughs> when is the ball going to drop? I, I mean, I'm a, like a, an annoying optimist, um, but I know that about, like, I know that about myself enough to say, okay, well, I need to start to recognize those emotions too and move through them. This all links back to what I feel I know to, about the universe, karma. Uh, I believe that what you put out in the world is what you are going to get back and that every action has a reaction good and bad. And until we can learn to be cooperative with each other and to support each other, we're always going to experience these things. I agree. What I know to be true about the universe is very little, but I do know that what am I, I don't even know what I know, honestly. I'm like trying to think of what I know about, but I like that I'm open to, what I know is that I'm open to the mystery and that I'm really curious about the mystery because it seems like something's going on here that we don't understand. There's something more happening and we can't, we try to create fictions or structures or myths and all these answers about why we're here <laughs> and how we got here and what it all means. And to me, the questions and like seeking the answers is worth, is worth it more than, than saying you've got the answer. And I just really love like reveling in that. Like um, Rainer Maria Rilke is one of my favorite poets. So he says like, live the questions. And I just love that. I, I think there's so much fun and value in, in moving past gossip or moving past whatever, or, you know, the things that we worry about and just sometimes having those deep conversations and setting sights on the mystery. Yes, yes. Well, what are you binge reading, watching or listening to? Currently binge watching uh, The Staircase. Oh, is it good? It's good. Is it too scary for me? It's not. No, it's not too no. scary for you. Okay. The story is really, I mean, it's so sad, but also fascinating. Um, there's a lot of levels. I think you'll, I think you'll 
her goodness. enjoy it. I say I hate to say enjoy about like a tragic story, but uh, so that and then I just finished reading Young Mungo. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen that around book by Douglas Stewart. I picked it up at the airport and it was a great read. I'm currently reading Universal Harvester. I saw it on Maggie Smith's Instagram. who I adore. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really interesting story. It's a little dark, a little like horror-y mystery. And then I started Joan Didion, Where I Was From. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. What about you? I binge-watched the um, Under the Banner of Heaven. That's the Mormon show that I just love. It's so good. I know I talk about it all the time. And then I got into a bunch of like the Mormon document, not the Mormon, but the fundamentalist Mormon documentaries. And then, then like the cult documentaries deep end. (laughs) And then, which was so stressful, I could not finish it. And then the, our father. So I've kind of like been on that trail and there's a few more on that list reading this book. uh, It's like kind of a new agey book. So there's moments where I'm like, and the moments that I'm like really connecting to called the four agreements. And then I have sea of tranquility and then I've happy go lucky by David Sedaris, his new book. It's a nice, well-rounded nightstand. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. And then listening to, um, uh, always Disney princess hits. <laughs> so, yeah. That's like so, what I put on in the morning. So I don't put the TV or tech, you know, so they, so we listen to music. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. I love that. There's this uh, new Disney like focus. It's like an ambient soundtrack. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. I have a hard time listening to music when I'm working on a project. Like if I'm writing something, no. I, it's only soundtracks. So I, I, I will just loop like a lot of sci-fi soundtracks I like. Oh, yeah, cool. the uh, the social network has like an incredible yeah soundtrack like for writing. Resident. Yeah. Speaking of music, what would your theme song be? Oh, oh, you go first. Do you know yours? I mean, kind of. I I really have a hard time picking, but my gut reaction says Wildflowers. Oh, that is Sylvie's middle name, Wildflowers. So we think, yeah, I love that. I love that one. Oh gosh, I was underprepared here. Cause I'm like, should it be an '80s song, or? Um... Mine was between Wildflowers and If You're Happy and You Know It, clap your hands. So <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I feel like what about um, what is the the Stevie Nicks "Go Your Own Way"? Ooh, uh, I'll choose that one for now took me a long time to get there. I should have been prepared for this because there's probably there's probably more Elliot Smith, but it's like, do you want to choose that for your theme song? Probably not, but that's probably what I've like listened to most in my life. Yeah, there are songs that I'm like, I this this is what I love, but does it describe me? I don't know. No, I don't want that. I don't really want his songs to describe me, probably most of them, but I do love that. I love that Neutral Milk Hotel record. Oh, yeah. What was that song? The big one? Airplane flying in an airplane. Yeah, airplane over yeah. the sea. Over the sea, yeah. For years, I was like, I'm going to get a lyric tattooed to me from that record, you know? And I have a friend who was like, don't tattoo something sad to yourself. <laughs> don't tattoo something like <laughs> negative or sad. Oh, and yeah, I'm like, that's really yeah. good life advice because I yeah. always, I'm a really optimistic, happy person, but I gravitate to the darkness. That's a good balance. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I have my favorite poem tattooed, you know what? And that would be my theme song poem. 
is Stanzas by Emily Bronte. I, I love it. It's probably, and that's probably my theme, Paul. Someone needs to put it to music. We'll put it to music. <laughs> okay, what about one small thing or guilty pleasure that you look forward to when your partner is on the road? The biggest thing is probably watching Dateline or <laughs> a snapped marathon with scotch in the bed. Oh, snap like a murderer. It is. And it's primarily like husbands and wives. So I can't really watch it with him because he'll be like, you've been watching this for 12 <laughs> hours. What is happening? What are you planning? You have life insurance, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is just, they're so predictable this. and it's so cheesy, but it's just like. So it's not real. It's not real. They are. They're real stories. They're real stories. But I mean, it's every single time Scary. it's the husband or the wife. And you're like, oh, a shocker. Um, and Dateline because Keith Morrison's my boyfriend. <laughs> what is the guilty pleasure you're looking forward to? Oh, I love yours. And I was definitely thinking mine is the shows where people have arranged marriages. So like <laughs> all of them, anyone, 90 Day Fiance, Married at First Sight, and Love is Blind. Oh my all God, Love is Blind. Any episode of any of those shows, I love them. And Adam is an absolute hard pass. <laughs> and so uh, those are my, I just am so fascinated by the everything and like I can pretend that it's like for good like psych it's psychology and it's also like I do think that you can fall in love with someone you can just fall in love it's not like you have to be in love to get married like love is a choice I guess is what I'm saying and so and I also think the way they match people on those shows I'm just like people get divorced all the time 50% of people get divorced and so there's no reason that's not a good and a good enough way to meet people. <laughs> I, I agree. Know. It's just as yeah. valid as meeting anywhere. I mean, and other cultures do arranged marriages. Sometimes it's like not necessarily favorable to the women, but sometimes it is. It's just like a an arranged marriage, and it works out fine, better than an, a marriage where people were like together for four years and then got married and then got divorced like four months later. Which I I don't know why I hear about that all the time. People together for like eleven years and then get married and then immediately. Maybe there was one partner that just kind of didn't really want to do the thing and felt like they were finally pressured and that, you know, that commitment is terrifying or something. There's something to, <laughs> Shaky that, to those stories. Yeah, something's going on to why they're getting. Yeah, because I, I feel like I've heard about that like half a dozen times where people were together for many, many years, got married and immediately got a divorce. So there is yeah. something there. But Adam and I were together for four months and then got married. I had no idea. Yeah. And actually, the tour manager for Taking Back Sunday, I, I don't want to get it wrong, but it was like two months or less. And they've been together longer than we have. I think they've been married 13 or 14 years, maybe even longer, though. I know people who got married in a week, and I know people who waited forever for the right person, and like, oh, then they were together. And it just, it's, it, I feel like there is no, there is no formula. Everybody is at risk. <laughs> or, or, you know, everybody has the potential yeah. to be together forever. It's just... How much do you want it? Yeah, it's like, how much do you want it? It's, oh, that's a whole nother episode because like staying together, you learn so much and you, and at any point, I also think you can leave. And I tried hard not to like ever judge that or because it's hard to see uh, and the end of a relationship is not a, a loss or like a failure, you know, in some way. I wish we could reframe that. But at the same time, I, I understand like how much, I've learned and how much we've come together through each stage. And yes. so it's like, you can really be, become a better person and a better partner through time, but also there's no, you know, relationships can also come to an end. Yes. You can choose to change simultaneously 
Uh, or you can choose to live a compartment of your life with somebody that doesn't mean it was a bad relationship even. It doesn't mean it was a failure. It means this person served who I was and we weren't growing in a direction that either of us could go. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's so true and absolutely, but it is sad. They're hard, but at the same time, I am like advocate this, like if you can create a life together, there's so much beauty and, and like power in, in like shaping a life with someone and growing and learning with them and, and um, meeting in the middle and like growing around each other. So I don't know. I Yeah, my, my marriage is such a source of pride for me. Uh, you know, you, you look at all the moments that you think, wow, we could have just jumped off that shit oh, yeah. show, <laughs> that shit ship, but we didn't, you know, we stuck it out and, um, and are better for it. And there is something to be said in the same way that we were talking about children earlier, choosing the same person every day, no matter what, or not, not no matter what, but despite issues and choosing to look inside yourself to say, am I a part of this issue we're having? Um, how can we both be better? How can we, how can we pivot? In a relationship, I believe that people become dependent on each other. That's sort of the nature of a relationship. I've, I've always been willing to adjust certain parts of myself to accommodate the parts that you're adjusting. Mm -hmm. So I, and I don't know that everybody wants to do that. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but when you do, for me anyway, and it sounds like for you as well, it it feels so worthwhile. So we've covered everything. Yeah, and yeah. more. And more. This is it. We did it. We did it. This is what you're going to get. Some questions, some banter, some uh, um, unraveling and <laughs> re-wrapping. <laughs> I think there's something for everyone. Truly. <laughs> And so we want to hear your thoughts, what you hated, what you loved. And if you want to join us next week, we'll have mini episode where we answer listener questions, which you can submit over at our Instagram page at Bandwives Podcast or on our website at bandwivespod.com. The following week, we will have our first guest, Camille Nolan, and it's going to be a beauty. I can't wait. So thanks for listening. Thank you.